What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of On the Power Play. It is me, your boy, Brian, always joined by my fantastic co-hosts, Adam and Matt. Welcome to episode 62, Carl Haglin. A uh, really short snippet here. It says, Carl Haglin appears on this list mostly due to lack of competition. That, <laughs> yeah, that's we, it. That's getting all that's there. written. Huh. How many players have, have worn his number? I don't know, Apparently, but it, only it looks Carl like not Haglin. a lot. Uh, it says runner-up Andre Nazarov. So, uh, you know, pretty, pretty low on the 62 count. But welcome to it, episode 62. Adam and Matt, how we doing, gentlemen? We're fine. How's it going, boys? It's going. It's Tuesday night. It's another Tuesday night, another podcast. Uh, I and the feeling's right. done this 62 times. That's crazy. It is. It is nuts. Um, you know what's even crazier is, uh, is whatever the hell Brad Marchand was doing. Um, I don't know what he was doing. I don't think you guys know what he was doing. Did he ever say specifically what fired him up so much? Well, I know it started like early in the game when Jari tried to flip a puck to a fan and Marchand just batted the puck out of the air. Was that the actual reason? Because that is so I, fucked up. I think, well, for one, it seemed like the fans didn't care because if you look at the video, they were having a grand old time with it. So they, they didn't mind it too much. Right. Um, but I'm assuming that's what ticked Jari off. And then Jari went jawjacking at Marchand, and he probably just said something that Marchand took offense to, and they were off to the races. I feel which like is funny. Which is funny coming from the guy who was just yell, uh, complaining about the player who is just getting into a jaw jolly match like a couple months ago with a Panarin saying, "He's like, if he's really offended by my words, then he's soft. Now he's <laughs> he, he gets triggered by whatever Jari said, and then." tries to chop his neck off with a stick. How yeah, funny. like, not only did he, like, punched him in the side of the head, and then he tries to, like, go two by four uh, over the head. And it's like, okay, Brad, that my, my opinions of you are well-documented on this podcast. You can listen to almost every episode. I'm sure there's something about me hating Brad Marchand, except for maybe one episode where we were like, hey, it was cool what he did with Kevin uh, or with um, Jimmy Hayes' son. That's all fine and dandy. I redact everything I've said. You're a fucking jackass. <laughs> there's there's mm. no way anybody in the league should be able to respect this guy. They do, though. They do. But they ca- how could you when he does <laughs> dumb stuff like this? How? How can there be any respect for a guy like this? Uh, just a, a t- tidbit on the news front. He did get a six-game suspension for such. And he's awaiting Which an I'm, appeal on the suspension. I'm um, kind of surprised. Are you surprised, though? A, w- a little bit. But why? Given, but why? Given given the history that the uh, uh, NHL has shown when it comes to suspensions, that just seemed like something that they wouldn't have touched <laughs> otherwise. I, I, the only thing I could see is it's because it was a goalie that got attacked. If he did that to a player, I don't think he gets six games. Sure. I, I don't know that I'm a little surprised he got six for that considering everything else we've seen him do. And that's happened in the league this year. I just, I just don't truly understand how this pure jackass can have muster any form of respect from anybody that plays 
for the NHL, follows the NHL, or uh, is is amongst the NHL in any facet. Well, so, how? How? Just because he's a prolific goal scorer and he does, you know, assists and all that kind of shit. He's, he's when, one he Olympic does, goal. when he does dumb stuff like this, how can he be respected? Well, he's found his way into the history books, I just found out. <laughs> how so? Other than being this comes the from biggest jackass. The uh, the Russian machine never breaks.com, written by Ian Oland, uh, four days ago. Brad Marchand has become the most suspended player in history um, by passing Chris Pronger. Chris Pronger. Spot. Uh, Chris Pronger. Eight, eight suspensions makes him the most suspended player in NHL history. Uh, it encompasses five fines, 28 games lost, and $1,419,568.33 in forfeited salary. Jeez. <laughs> That's See, legendary. That's why, that's, that's, why legendary. I was, that's not legendary. <laughs> that's big. Legendary. It's legendary for the wrong reasons. Wrong reasons. Big, big wrong reasons. Matt, big it's it still just it still bothers me that you will go to battle for Brad Marchand on this podcast. It's, it bothers I'll bring up, the I'll bring fuck up, out of me. I'll bring up a good comparison. Uh, I could talk to Adam with it. It's like Edge in wrestling. You remember the rated R superstar Edge? Yeah, I'm curious it's, to see where this basic, is going. It's basically like the same person, you know. Edge okay. was an un- unbelievable performer, sure, and, but yet he just kind of you know did a bunch of dirty stuff, and that's how they written him up. That's uh, it's good. That was a character. Similar. He was playing <laughs> a character. Also true. This, this is, is this, this is, is a true me. human being. <laughs> Right, it's the same with that. So he's, much a, he's a true human being. I don't. I don't want to make this comparison. I don't want to make this comparison. Is in sports just playing guy. character? No. <laughs> yes. Being a professional damn athlete is what it's doing. If we want to, if we want to go the route of comparing Marchand to a wrestler, I almost want to hearken him to Eddie Guerrero for the simple. Catchphrase of why cheat and That's what Marshan does. He lies, he cheats, and steals everyone's time because he doesn't get suspended for it. It's pure insanity. That's a good point. That's a good point. I, I retract that. Uh, I, he is like Eddie Guerrero. I hate know? that I have to say that though, because Eddie's awesome and Marshan is not. Yeah, like Brad Marchand is, I call him a rat because actually his face looks like one as well. But also, he's just a rat of a human being. Okay, like he's running around the ice, fucking licking people. I feel like Not we anymore. still don't talk about that enough. Not, okay, <laughs> he stopped. That's it happened. It's for over now. He stopped for now. for now. Once a liquor, always a liquor. Okay, I stand by that firmly. Um, <laughs> you can attest. Okay. Well, that's the title attest. of the episode. Moving on. <laughs> but he runs around doing this dirty shit for no reason. Tristan Jar is just trying to give the puck to a fan because that's a cool thing to do. Knocks the puck off his stick so get, like get an out of my house. And then he so punches him in the house. side of the head and tries to spear him in the goddamn neck. I don't understand how this man has not been suspended more then the record setting eight games he's been eight times he's been suspended. But how, how is there not a precedent set that 
he's got to stop doing this shit. That's why I'm surprised he got suspended at all because he doesn't get suspended for everything else. Yeah, how does he not get suspended for the licking? Uh, I think because there was no precedent for it, so they kind of like didn't know what to do, so they just said, hey, cut it out. Well, yeah, there really wasn't a precedent set for biting, but uh, Brendan Lemieux figured out you'll get suspended for that. But I mean, I guess they're both involved in the mouth. I don't know. Uh, he just, he makes me so fucking angry all the time. <laughs> he I makes see, you think about him. I see his rat him. little face and I want to punch it with every fiber of my being. I just want to punch that rat face. People ask me why I hate the Bruins more than I hate the Penguins as a Flyers fan and, and so on and so forth. It's reasons like this guy. Okay. How, how do you not just always have a pure hatred for Brad Marchand? Also, any Boston sports fan can just write up and fuck off. Okay. And I'll stay, <laughs> I'll stand by that. All right. Mass holes. Um, but <laughs> in the integrity of good reporting, his six game suspension is awaiting an appeal. Um, a day ago, it was reported that he did officially appeal it, and he's just waiting to hear back. I don't think he's going to uh, get any games knocked off, to be honest. I'm just going to be frank. Um, Isn't it crazy? He I got the Brian. NHLPA to object it. It wasn't just him. It was He got the NHL Players Association to be like, yeah, that, I shouldn't be getting suspended for this. Which you, you definitely shouldn't be getting suspended. Like, seriously, you, there is 100% chance you should have been resp- thought, suspended for this. I thought you should have got 10, to be honest with you. But I mean, you only got six because you, mon- you make the league money. That's why you got six. Whatever his next offense is, and don't worry, there will be one, he should probably just start getting minimum 10s until he figures his life out. Oh, he's figuring his life out. What a fucking rat. God <laughs> damn it. I hate you so much. Oh, okay. Moving on before Bing blows a blood vessel. Well, well, like, you know how there's those players that everybody like mutually hates and they're mm-hmm. like, you want to know what? If he was on your team, you'd love him. If Brad Marchand, for some godforsaken reason, came to this team, I would be so angry. I don't want him anywhere near an organization that I root for. I don't want him close, nearby, anywhere around being with an organization that I support. (laughs) Brian makes it it known. I mean, I'm, I'm letting you know right fucking now. Chances are he won't leave Boston. He's kind of one of those lifers in Boston. Thank God. Um, anyways, moving forward, since we've wasted probably about 10 minutes of me just bitching about Brad Marchand, par usual, um, let's move into the other NHL news because there's plenty of it to discuss, especially when it comes to trade action. We have our Ooh. first trade, technically speaking, uh, towards trade first, deadline time. First blockbuster, not blockbuster, yeah. first big trade, I'd say. The first big trade prior to the trade deadline, which is usually in the February range. Uh, we have Tyler Toffoli 
getting traded uh, from the Montreal Canadiens to the Calgary Flames. In return, the uh, Canadiens received a first and fifth round pick in 2022, along with Emil Heinemann and Tyler Pitlick. Uh, the first round pick is top 10 protected, um, so it will be a top 10 pick. And obviously, the I don't think the, the Flames would have to fall apart in some astronomical sense for them to have gotten the full usage of that pick. Um, yeah. So do, do we think though, that Tyler Toffoli helps this flames team astronomically in any way? Yeah. Are they looking for goal scorers? Sure. Deep but, goal scorers. Yeah. Like deep yeah. goal scorers. Cause well, that I mean, first what, line has yeah. no problem scoring goals. That is true. That is very true. Uh, And Tyler Toffoli does get you that kind of deep core type of uh, goal scorer. However, when you look at what this team has been able to do with what they have, you know, second place in the Pacific, you know, not a big deal. Um, Do we think Tyler Toffoli makes a large impact or just enough to matter when it comes playoff time? I think it makes a big impact because you – I mean, he obviously played in the Stanley Cup Finals last year with Montreal. Montreal made a move to acquire him, come trade deadline time. Did and he it's also, also win with the Kings, or was he won with host? the Kings? Yes, okay, he won with the Kings too. So it, it, it's very important if you can acquire those sort of talents that have done it before, it as in win it all, and they already required one this off season with Blake Coleman. So that, that was another big piece. So now they got two pieces that know what it takes to win a Stanley Cup on your, you know, top six. You could even Depending argue you... that with the, how their two top lines have been have been working, you could put them on the third line. Yeah, oh. he might even start off, off the third line. Do I have some news for you? Because according to the Daily Faceoff, that's exactly where Tyler Toffoli checks in. In the third line? Yes, sir. Right Oh. Side Sean Monahan and Dylan Dubé. Dear God, that is a deep third line. Uh, first line, obviously, Gaudreau, Lindholm, Chuck. Second line, Majapani, Backlund, and Coleman. Uh, and your fourth line of Milan Lucic, Adam Ruska, and Trevor Lewis. You know, speaking of Sean Monahan, I think we were talking about this in, in earlier episodes. Do we think the Flames are still looking to move Sean Monahan? At this point, it'd be all season if they did. I yeah, I would have to agree anymore. Um, but good news for the Flames as well is there's two years of term remaining on Toffoli's contract at 4.25, which is, I'm not going to say it's yeah. steep for a Toffoli, um, but you know, arguably Toffoli could be like a four to three seven five kind of player. Um, but as of right now, let's take a look at his stat line. You and me both had the same idea. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to. I'm just trying to, you know, get a get a feel for where he's at statistically. I have it if you need it. Yeah, yeah hit me with those. 37 games played, nine goals, 17 assists for 26 points. I get minus eight on the season. Hmm. Minus eight for a two way forward. Eh, that's all right. Um. The the thing for me here is, do I think acquiring a Tyler Toffoli brings the flames over the edge to serious Stanley cup contenders. No. 
Um, but then again, I don't know really what does. It's just nothing off like looking at the Flames on a page, nothing jumps out at me as this is a clear Stanley Cup contender. Um, whereas I'm, so, I'm like, starting to think that way. Like they're definitely like pushing me towards maybe thinking that, but that doesn't strike me the same way as like a Colorado lineup or like a Tampa Bay lineup or a Florida lineup, you know? It's not the same striking like, oh, shit, this team could do it. However, they're second in the Pacific Division, which you could argue is one of the tougher divisions in the league, um, sitting one point behind first place, which is the Golden Knights. So, yeah, I could clearly be wrong, which I am quite frequently. But does anything strike you like Matt? I want like if you could expand on that. Um, what strikes you with this Flames team that they could contend? I think their goaltending kind of has just been a stable float for the whole year. And you know, they get in the playoffs. If that stays, you know, consistent, they, they can have that much of an advantage because it has been one of their better teams goaltending-wise. But you're, you're just a top-line savvy. Like that first line, Lindholm, uh, Goudreau, and Kachuk just is one of the better lines in the league. And then you get – very good depth and like Mangiapane, Blake Coleman. Now you add to Foley. And then, you know, it's just kind of, they kind of, they without a doubt look like the best team in Canada who has the best chance to right. lift it. Right. I agree with, I, I completely stand by that. As no, far I as can other totally teams, you can that. make that the bet. But like, if, if a Canada team's going to win the Stanley Cup, it's not going to be Toronto. It's not going to be Edmonton. It's, it's, it's probably going to be Calgary. Uh, you know, I, I can I can agree with you there. Um, I do think they're the best Canadian team right now. The only thing for me is, you know, and you brought it up, that first line heavy type of deal. I'm afraid that they're suffering from Bruin syndrome with their quote unquote perfect line. Um, but, you know, adding a Tyler to Foley and having that, you know, deep top nine is better than nothing. You know, and, you know, you always have on that fourth line. I know Milan Lucic has definitely lost a step over the years, but he's still a playmaker. He can still get it done, especially as far as, you know, zipping the puck around the ice and things of that nature. But I just still struggle to see it jump off the page to me is all. Adam, what about you? Do you think this Flames team is a Stanley Cup contender, even now with the addition of a Tyler Toffoli, or or are you not sold? Uh, I'm sold on the offense. I think Tyler Toffoli was – that sort of missing piece the offense needed um, just to kind of even out all the lines getting scoring. And if you have the fourth line that just wears down the team, grinds the other team down, that's fine by me. Um, the defense I'm a little iffy on. I feel like they're missing one or two more cogs in that wheel to really kind of push them over the edge and maybe a bet, a backup goaltender. If you can sure up one of those two sides, I think it pushes them over the edge as an actual contender. But at the same time, if we're talking Monaghan possibly getting moved in the offseason, I don't know if this is the year to go all in. Right, right. And I, I hear you there. Um, yeah, especially because if Markstrom goes down, you're in a whole heap ton of trouble if you're the Flames. I you know, just, God forbid, I'm going to knock on wood because I like Jacob Markstrom. But uh, if he does, yeah, you're – you're staring down not having a staunch goaltender. Yeah. So I, think I don't that, even know who their backup uh, is. Dan Vladder. Hmm. Okay. 
Not terrible. That's because I'm looking at Cap Friendly right now. Yeah, there you go. Um, but I you... just had a weird idea. <clears throat> right. And I don't know how the hell it works because it kind of screws them over in the center position. But hey, I, I love making crazy ideas. There's a certain Russian out west that wants off his team, last we heard. And he's been doing pretty well despite that. And I'm wondering if a Sean Monahan package could help secure the Flames one Vladimir Tarasenko. Now that would be spicy. <laughs> um, that was actually my my next topic for oh, uh, this yeah. podcast. Here is: Do we have any crazy trade takes? <laughs> um, you definitely have so far taken the cake there, and that's what I call a great segue. <laughs> so, so you get. Sean Monahan to St. Louis, and then St. Louis would want more, though. My, well, yeah. My idea is again the idea that Chicago, uh, the Chicago Calgary is basically looking at this as possibly being their only chance to win a cup before having to completely retool. Because if I'm not mis- mistaken, Johnny Gaudreau is um, up at the end of the year. I think he's got one year left. This might be his last year. Yeah, this Good is job. his last year. Yes. Um, Matthew Kachuk is up at the end of the year. Uh, Manjapani's up at the end of the year. And then everybody else is kind of whatever. If you pick them up, great. If you don't, oh, well. So they've got to figure out what they want to do. And I could see a situation where, depending on how this season goes, Goudreau might not want to come back to the Flames. Right. So you almost do what Columbus did a few seasons ago where they knew Bobrovsky was out the door. They knew Panarin was out the door and you say, you know what? We're just going to put as much as we can behind the people we want to put behind and go for the cup. If we get it great, if not, we'll retool and try and bounce back. So that's where the Monahan deal came about. So I would say it's probably be Monahan. They don't have a first because that just got traded for Foley. Mm-hmm. So, be a 2023 first and they and they also kind of got rid of two pretty decent um fluff uh guys in uh pitlick and uh heineman like those are good trade fluff kind of guys yeah hmm. i don't know how they pull this off but you know what if i have faith in anybody it's gonna be the calgary flames <laughs> yeah, Tarasenko still has a year on his contract at uh this last year is at five and a half. Um oh, hmm. no, that, that, hmm. that doesn't make as much sense. Yeah, the only thing to me is like do we really think the flames are selling out right now? Like I don't think a Tofoli deal oh, means no. that they're like this has to they're, be the year. They're they're absolutely buying to make a push. I'm just under the, the consideration that. I have a sneaking suspicion Monaghan's more than likely out. I don't think he comes back. Um, either because of cap reasons or because he just doesn't want to be there. That's just my gut instinct. So I figure instead of waiting till the draft to potentially move him, use him as an asset to try and push you guys over the edge. That And it could maybe entice a guy like Boudreaux to say, uh, Kachuk, I feel like is more than likely going to stay, but hockey's weird. So <laughs> that it is, that it is. 
So, yeah, I don't know. Tarasenko to the Flames. Let's make it happen. John Hockey League, get on the phone. Make some calls. That's how trades work. That sure would be something. Yeah, I think the only reason it doesn't happen is because I don't think St. Louis would take the one-for-one. Oh, absolutely not. I know it'll be a a Monaghan package. And if you're the Flames, and, you know, no offense, I, I still am not like they can win a Stanley Cup. If they're selling out for this year and this is the roster that has to get it done, and at the end, if it doesn't happen, you're going to have to blow it up. I don't like the whole continuing to sell your picks thing if you need to rebuild. So yeah. um, <laughs> it just might be a me thing, but hey, who knows, I guess. Um, either way. I'm not jamming the flames. No, jamming. no, and, and, and neither are we. Um, <laughs> anyways, let's just get right into this old segment here that I had uh, for any crazy trade things. Uh, here's my crazy trade take. Uh, I was reading up today uh, on Toronto looking to trade Nick Ritchie, uh, young forward who just really doesn't have any place in that lineup. And, uh, you know, understandably so. So they're looking to move him. And what do we know about the Toronto Maple Leafs that they need to address? Is uh, They have demons. They have some demons. And a good way to address demons, especially playoff ones, is to bolster a defense. Now, there is a certain other uh, pretty good defenseman who is on the trade block for another Canadian team in Ben Sherratt. Now, I do know that he just recently hit the IR, correct? I believe so. Ben Sherratt. Uh, yes, he did. He did. Yeah, hit the so, IR. I don't know exactly how long he's out for. Uh, um, cat friendly can tell me. But I'm thinking if I'm Toronto, I'm looking at trying to bring in a defenseman, bolster up some defense, you know, for maybe a push. Uh, and I'm my eyes are deadlocked on two players, and that is Ben Chirot and Jacob Chikrin. Mm. Now, I'm going to be honest, Chikrin might be your better bet because you might only have to send Nick Ritchie and nothing else to get that, if I'm going to be totally honest with you, uh, because I'm not even quite sure the Arizona Coyotes know exactly what they're doing. No, they're still trying to get off the that. couch. Yeah, they're still trying to figure out how to manage uh, NHL franchise and failing miserably at it, I might add. Um, but that's my kind of crazy take is I think the uh, – I'm going to just stay staunch on what I said first. I think the Toronto Maple Leafs will trade Nick Ritchie and maybe some picks or other prospects to Ottawa for Ben Sherratt. That's my it's take. It's not a bad idea uh, to answer your question before Sherratt's out for about a week. So yeah, not so not time. so not terrible, you know. I heard a hot take on a uh, certain podcast I like to talk about, and Ooh. I haven't talked about him in a while. Yeah, you want to know what? I'm proud of you, Steve Dangle. Am. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I tried. Um, no, Steve uh, brought up a point on I think Monday's podcast, and he said the same thing you were talking about, getting okay, a defenseman. Um, I think I heard. Uh, Luke Shen, Braden Shen, one of the uh, Shen. Luke Shen would be the defenseman. I think he was talking about him possibly coming, but the real big one that he floated out there is a certain captain out on the west side in Seattle. Oh, Mr. Mark Giordano, who may or may not be on the block because there's been no real talks between the Kraken and Mr. Giordano. 
Now, I don't exactly know what the package would entail. I don't think he really went into detail about it. Um, he, he was just kind of spitballing because he agreed with you. Defense was like one of the biggest things, um, especially with the whole, I think it's a Justin Hole uh, series of tweets that went out <laughs> where I yeah. It was Jeff Merrick that said that you either bench him or put him in the minors because something's wrong. <laughs> something's uh, up. But now that was the uh, the big one I had heard was uh, Giordano for the Leafs. But I think a more likely situation is what you were saying with Sherratt, maybe Shen, probably not Churin, only because I, I feel like that's going to be a higher asking price. And I feel like the Leafs don't want to pay too too much my only thing is i don't think it's going to be a high asking price i really don't think that uh i'll put arizona knows what what they're doing look at what toronto paid for uh felina true they they massively overpaid paid for felino and that was because they fleeced over the phone go check out um the maple leaf stock on amazon because it's there the trade phone call is in the documentary, and you could see he got fleeced live on camera, so that's where I don't know. I feel like Arizona knows what they have, they just don't know how to use it. Well, they definitely don't know how to use it as far as that, putting together a decent hockey team. But, uh, note, did you see the Sean Avery quote about Clayton Keller? No, he put it, uh, I'll put it to you simply, he said he sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure Avery said that. Man, that Clayton Keller kid sucks. Sean Avery, man, just absolutely just unhinged in his post career. Um, but uh, Matt, I I'll ask you: Do you have any crazy uh, trade takes? No, for all the crazy and and dirty. Well, for all the (laughs) for all the crazy trade takes that pop in my head, they probably won't happen. But uh, like, if you think of like. Like moving the needle on a trade, and like, you know, like seeing how much the in disarray the Chicago Blackhawks are, and right. just looking at like possibly moving off a of Taves or a Kane and having like the New York Rangers get calling and offer like Zabanajad, like Strom, like re- a couple first round picks, a couple second round picks whatever for like Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves like that would be like break the ice type of trade that's like crazy crazy agreed Um, I would love that would be cool to see but it would be interesting that's for sure as far as like interest like possibility ones maybe like the Islanders try and look to see what they can get for like Brock Nelson that would be kind of an interesting trade. Ah, uh, yeah. I didn't even. I didn't, haven't even been thought about the Islanders in quite some time. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean they, they have games on hand, and but they, you know they are losing a couple of those games in hand. So it's like it's it's interesting to see what they really are looking at, big picture wise and stuff. I think they would move on from Matt Martin before they move on from uh, Brock Nelson, though. I mean, but you get a bigger asking price for Brock Nelson. That's true. And if you move Brock Nelson and Matt Martin, you can get yourself quite a grab for those two. 
Right, right. Um, hmm. I like that. I'm on board with that. Uh, in uh, other trade stuff, obviously, we have um, we have the uh, story of quite possibly happening. Mark Andre Fleury returning to the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, I saw th- I saw this report today, uh, and I didn't know quite what to think about it. Um, it says that uh, the Golden Knights expressed interest in Flurry. It wasn't that Flurry was interested in going back. The Golden Knights are possibly looking to bring Flower back, which is fascinating to me. Um, but you know, I'm again, I'm not a uh, not a GM here. Uh, however, they are also looking at New York Rangers backup Alexander Georgiev. So it looks like they're looking to fill a goaltending need, maybe in the backup capacity. But uh, there's also reports that the Knights would think about putting Leonard and his $5 million salary cap hit to the LTIR. Yeah, because he's hurt. Because he's hurt. Yeah, but that's just like, is he hurt for that long? Like, what's the timeline on his injury? I don't let's see if I can find that out. Uh, body injury. He's mispracticed for two straight days. Uh, upper body injury. It doesn't even really sound like there is a timetable. Interesting. DeBoer said in, I guess, the whatever press conference he held that he's uh, Leonard's still undergoing tests and uh, things like that. So I don't have any more on that. Hmm. Yeah. So also to this, uh, the goal uh, in the same article, the golden Knights will not try to reacquire flurry in a trade from uh, Mick Crimmin uh, during a, uh, an interview with the Las Vegas review journal on Tuesday. So they might have called, but it doesn't sound like they're actually cons- heavily considering bringing Flurry back. Hmm. Yeah, I think their eyes are more locked on Georgiev as uh, as someone to acquire and trade because obviously, you know, we know that Mark Andre Flurry hasn't been having a great year by any means, but you know, he's still Flower, and you know, he's still going to do his thing. But when it comes down to it, I just thought that was something that was a bit spicy, oh, yeah. and I and I enjoyed. Um, also, you know, I know we've talked about it a lot, but you know, Hey, for lack of a better term, it is bigger news. Uh, the Claude Giroux trade situation. Mm-hmm. Um, it has been reported, uh, that Danny Briere, who is now the special assistant to the general manager was at a, the, uh, most recent Colorado avalanche game, as well as a Colorado Eagle game, which is their AHL affiliate. So that definitely says something to me with a serious member of the GM staff going to an avalanche game. And then also the AHL affiliate game, looking at all of the possibilities there and that the Colorado avalanche had him come to look, I think they're in serious talks. Jeru did report to GM um, Chuck Fletcher. There are three places he'd be willing to go. Main ones, Colorado. The other two are Minnesota or St. Louis. Um, which is interesting because I think those are the three teams that we brought up mostly when talking about where Drew would land. Um, I know. I mean, definitely- I, I know I brought up yeah. Minnesota. I brought up yeah, St. Louis and Matt right. brought up St. Louis. You had the Bruins like a savage. 
Okay. Oh, well. <laughs> I thought you had the Bru- I thought you had the Bruins bank. Hell no. no. The- Hell yeah, no. You- go back on record. I go back, go back I, go, on record. Go through the tapes. I, I thought you said Boston. I'd say I thought you said Boston. I like, definitely didn't post- say Boston. I might have reported that Boston was an option. I thought you said you said I hate me to say this, but the Boston Bruins would be great to add Claude Giroux. I'm pretty sure you said I, that. Would I would I did I say this. that they would benefit? Yes. Did I say that would be his landing spot? Fuck no. <laughs> Never right. in my life would I want Claude Giroux in a Bruins jersey. Um, but it is kind of looking like this uh, Colorado deal is pretty deep in discussion. And I think right now the Flyers are just gauging what they could acquire from the Colorado Avalanche. And you want to know what? As far as being a Flyers fan is concerned and landing spots for Giroux, this is my preferred because I think this team has a real chance to contend. And I think Giroux could really help that team. Um, But we won't harp on that too long because I feel like we've talked about it a bunch. So we have a little thing that we're going to do here. Hopefully in the next coming weeks, we have ourselves some guests for you folks to talk more in depth on specific teams that we all follow and their trade deadline situations. Um, We are going to now let Adam kind of go on a little thing here. We're going to talk about the Sharks trade deadline situation and what Adam would like to see be done. I do have to report, I did read today that Thomas Hurdle is looking for long-term with the Sharks. Uh, He's on the second year of a two-year deal um, for for three and a half mil this year. Uh, 5.6, actually. 2.6. Oh, that was, no. That's his base salary this year. Uh, Maybe maybe they're just showing the AAV because he's got a 5.6 cap hit according to cap friendly. Yeah, he does have the 5.6 cap hit. But either way, he's looking for long-term, and he would prefer with the Sharks. So I'm interested on your take there, Adam, because I believe you said that he would be one that would be on the trading block. Uh, Yeah, and according to TSN, he is still somebody that is on their trade bait list at number six. So, And I think that's simply because he is a uh, a UFA, so he would be a rental for somebody to pick up. from all accounts, it seems like he wants to stay in San Jose. San Jose wants to keep him, and that's what I want to see. I don't want to see Hurdle leave at all. He's probably one of my favorite players on this team right now. Um, I think he was actually the first player I like saw and gravitated towards after Thornton and Marlowe. Um, but us, I don't know honestly what I really want to see them do because they're not bad, but they're probably not hitting the playoffs this season. Right, just looking at where they're at, I think they're in the Pacific. They were in seventh, about like five or six points behind an actual wild card spot. If I remember the graphics correctly, I made today. Yeah, right now they are seven points out of a wild card spot. Ooh, I was close. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I don't want to see them sell, but I think that's what what's gonna happen. And if they're gonna sell anybody, I'm looking right at the defense, and I'm looking at. One of Mark Edward Vlasic or in a spicier take, Brent Burns. I do think Brent Burns could definitely fetch you some some really decent looking stuff. Um, I don't know so much about pickles. Um, I, his movement is simply because that's a seven million dollar cap hit for the next four years. 
Yeah, you guys did sign him for a long time. Um, still so, a solid defenseman, don't get me wrong, but Brett Burns oh, yeah. has some more sparkle to it. Um, well, I'm I, thinking I, possibly you could sell him back to Minnesota. I don't know if Minnesota needs help on the, the back end, to be honest. I mean, I, mean, I don't I, really know if they, they necessarily need the help, but uh, yeah, couldn't hurt. <laughs> no. But I mean, when I th- I think of who do they have in the back end? Spurgeon, Brodeen, Dumba, Goligoski, Kulikev, Jordy Ben, and John Merrill. I could see a fit somewhere in there for Burnsy. Or if they want to get real crazy, let's make them a forward again. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> nah, go, go ahead, Brad. Um, be a forward again. Do it up. Why not? Um, um, but you know, there's definitely something on the up with the Sharks. I'm seeing it. Um, the youth movement that's been going on down there has been insane. I think they lead the league in rookies uh, games played. I think they've had like eight or nine rookies come up and play a game with the, the shark squad this year. And they're all hitting on all cylinders. Um, I know Jonathan Dahlin has been one that I've seen. I've seen his name uh, marked uh, come up a lot. Noah Gregor, who I'm probably the most surprised by because of just his speed like, I feel like this kid is somebody that if you threw in the fastest skater competition could actually compete with the way he goes from end to end. Right. Um, hasn't found the uh, the scoring touch yet, but honestly, I feel like that should be a priority for a lot of the other guys on the ice, like Atimo Meyer, Tomas Hurdle, Logan Couture. So maybe something there. I don't know. I'm, I'm loving the youth movement from the Sharks. If anything, probably could use a couple more picks in this draft to retool and just kind of move on from there because there's not a lot on the market I'm seeing that I want the Sharks to go out and buy when the likelihood of hitting the playoffs this year is pretty slim. Yeah, and, you know, I think that's um, that's kind of where the Sharks are right now kind of as a franchise is you have this good – I'm going to call it a good base of young talent. I think that's a, that's a solid base to build with, and you have a Logan Couture as captain – and if you keep Meyer and Hurdle, you have some veterans in there. You have them in that uh, in that lineup. But when it really kind of shakes down, would you really want to trade, you know, any of those young pieces away for something this uh, this trade deadline? You know, there is only one person that I'm still not sold on yet. Okay, it might be a hot take if you're a Sharks fan. I don't know, Kevin LeBanc. Hmm. I don't know what it is about him. And I had the same opinion about Timo Meyer until he really started turning around this season. Uh, and I'm still not a hundred percent convinced that this is going to be a normal thing for Timo, like that five goal game that he had. Right. He's still like, I'm not expecting him to do that every night. Don't get me wrong. But like the, the scoring touch has seemed to like kind of found its way back to him. And he's really starting to play. I think his role as that kind of two way forward power forward kind of guy, right. Uh, the guy on the ice. Kevin LeBanc hasn't had any real role, in my opinion, out on the ice. To me, he's supposed to be that kind of scoring touch that Evander Kane was, Tomas Hurdle was, like that guy that you could put the puck on his stick and he could work his way into either finding, getting the puck behind the net or getting the puck to somebody who can get it into the net. And he just hasn't had that, especially after the, uh, the extension we signed him to. And I mean, he's hurt now, so the odds of him getting traded are pretty slim. But uh, there's something there that I'm not convinced is a good fit for the Sharks and could be a better trade piece than a uh, long-term asset. 
Right. And uh, yeah, I can I can agree with your takes there. I think that just maybe this trade deadline isn't one that would be, you know, all that sharks involved uh, just because you have a good base as it is right now. And I don't think anybody really wants to get rid of those pieces. Um, and then, you know, basically what you would try to do in this trade deadline is, is you were right, get those picks and retool. Um, but what, what's your opinion on the, uh, the Thomas hurdle thing? Like, uh, he wants to be looking long-term for the sharks. What would you like him years wise and, uh, cap hit wise in a perfect world, Matt, was that you? <laughs> I went through it. I was going to try to power through it. Because that was audible. That was audible. The people could hear that. Oh, no. <laughs> He's falling apart. He's falling apart. Oh, oh no. no. I was going to try and save you. I was going to power through that, not even call attention to it. Nope. Oh, boy. Did I got to mention it. That was great. Oh Ooh, my content. god! Woo. Content. <laughs> <laughs> so Adam, what do you think Thomas Hurdle situation? <laughs> that that's Matt's oh. opinion on the Thomas Hurdle situation. True. It true. stinks. It <laughs> stinks. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! All right. Well, I'm gonna be able to top that. Oh God! So any anyway. Uh, in a perfect world, I'd love to see Tomas Hurdle get eight-year extension. Honestly, eight-year extension probably at what Evander Kane was making. Hmm. It's kind of is a where I feel. In a perfect world, it's an eight-year extension, maybe like six and a half. Right. Um, especially considering I've seen reports that he's willing to take a pay cut to stay so i could see like an eight-year deal at six and a half maybe 5.75 but i don't know it's encouraging to hear that he wants to stay and the Mm -hmm. sharks aren't immediately pulling the trigger to trade right um it's just it's so weird the hockey world and if the right deal comes across the table I could see if Doug Wilson is behind the, the phone at the time because he's, I think, currently out on a personal matter. So we right. have a, our assistant GM is the one manning pretty much the team at this point. So in a perfect world, Tomas Hurdle stays for term, and that's kind of what I want to see. But honestly, I there's half of me that sees him getting traded as well. I don't know. So you're not you're not really sure what his situation looks like. I've learned in my short time of watching hockey not to get my hopes up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, if I put all my uh, my eggs in one basket, I'm going to wake up March the 21st with a box of tissues, crying my eyes out. <laughs> hope hope is a serious disease in NHL fandom, True. unfortunately. Um. Alrighty, well that was uh, that was Adam's little sharks deadline segment there. Like I Man, said, hopefully we'll stinker. have some folks on. Nah, not a stinker. <laughs> it's just you that know, was great. It's just that was the, great, Adam. The, yeah, it the, was, and the as joke, you know, that's the joke. Just, the joke flew. I'm just yeah, no, we we we, we got it. We got it. <laughs> we smelled it. Uh, we... <laughs> God damn it! Um, 
I'm like sorry. I like I was saying, hopefully we'll have some guests on to talk about different teams and different trade deadline situations from our uh, from our faithful friends. We got a couple of friends who are fans of different teams that we can get on. Uh, be prepared be for cool. a long flyer discussion in the coming days. Yeah, yeah, be ready for that, folks. That is uh, that is happening. Um, okay, <laughs> to move forward, uh, Sidney Crosby. As uh, as we record this podcast, well, I think actually before we we hit record on the podcast, scored his 500th career goal against the Philadelphia Flyers, also his 50th against the Philadelphia Flyers, making all 10% of all of his goals against the Philadelphia Flyers. I'm not sad. You're sad. But clearly, I think if we can all be, you know, be serious about it, he's a Hall of Famer, right? But that begs, but I was thinking about this, and that begs the question to me, what exactly makes a Hall of Famer? Is it somebody who's in the 500 goal club? Is it somebody who's played a thousand games? Is it someone that stayed with a franchise for 13, 14 years? Is it someone that just made a general impact on the game? Um, and I wanted to ask the gentleman here who they think in their their heart of hearts in their minds, who are guys that they think should be in the Hall of Fame, but maybe are either borderline or probably not kind of guys? And I wanted, I wanted to see if I could uh, ask you, gentlemen, um, whoever wants to take the cake first or I can go first. Well, it's a good – I'll start because I feel like I want to take the responsibility for not – because I wasn't really talking during your segment, Adam. But uh, That's fine. It was my uh, segment. You didn't have to. It was, it was your time. It was his time. My time. That it was. Um, so I think it's kind of a little bit different on like, like I think baseball kind of describes pretty boldly of what they consider Hall of Famer. And that's like making a good light on the game of baseball and not like making a dark light, like gambling on it or, you know, taking PEDs or stuff like that. I think uh, what makes a hockey player a Hall of Famer kind of relies on uh playoff experience playoff impact as well as like all-star games i think all-star game all-star selections have a big matter in that and um obviously if you have like consistent impact in the scoring category that you should have an impact too you know Mm -hmm. because like if you look if like if you just go off of like like playoff impact i mean is uh is Brian Boyle a Hall of Famer? I, w- I wouldn't say Brian Boyle is a Hall of Famer. And again, I mean, they could put him when he's put him in when he's old, just you know, for for the sake of it. But like you know, he's mostly been a deaf player, Hall of deaf player, Stanley Cup champion. Like he wasn't a, a top guy on these teams. And again, like all impact, all all pieces of puzzle are, are important. But I think um kind of all-star games, kind of uh, also leadership. You know, leaders tend to have that, like, asterisk next to them. Right. I think. So I, I wouldn't necessarily say, like, great for the game because I, you can put, like, I don't know, you can put, uh, you can I guess, put Scott Stevens in the Hall of Fame. He had a great career, but he also, you know, dirty player. Um, True. So as far as like guys who I think kind of fit the mold um, of of Hall of Famers that are kind of like 
still playing, but kind of on the last year. Obviously, like Patrice Bergeron is pretty clearly a Hall of Famer. Right. Um, and and, and you get, when you you know talk about like Patrice, he's not in that 500 goal club, and he probably won't be. Um, but he's clearly made a large enough impact on the game. Yeah, and yeah. Um, as far as like your surprise guys, like guys who haven't won it, like Jumbo Joe, Patrick Marlowe, like I think one of those guys will wind up in it. Right. And, so, you know, um, I can totally agree with that. It's definitely an interesting argument of what really makes a Hall of Famer. Because uh, you know, hockey's uh, one of those interesting games. It's, you know, it's you, there's multiple ways to stand out in this sport. Right. And I think that example of, uh, you know, Joe Thornton that you use there is, is a great example because his paper stats are not going to blow you away. But when you're guys <laughs> like us who experienced most of close to all of his career, you understand in your mind and through the eye test that he definitely should be a Hall of Famer. Um, Adam, how about you? Uh, well, Fish kind of blew up my spot with uh, Patrick Marlowe because I think that's probably the biggest one that comes to my mind that um, I feel should be, but a lot of people question if he should be because of, like you said, Bing, the stats on paper. The stats on Patrick Marlowe's paper aren't anything really to look at, but there's something just about him. I mean, look at his Ironman streak. Of I'm looking at the picture I have hanging on my wall right now of 1,768 games played. And that was kind of really the start of everyone wondering if this was Hall of Fame worthy of a career for Patrick Marlowe. Um, I would love to see it. I think it's well-deserved considering the work he put out on the ice, most of his career with the Sharks and his short time in Toronto and Pittsburgh and that stint in Carolina we don't talk about because it never happened. but um as far as what actually makes up a hall of fame player for the nhl anyway i feel like it's pretty much everything we've touched on the mark you leave on the game the stat line that you put up over your career and whatever accolades you can pick up along the way i feel like if you don't have all three of those things like the, the example that comes to mind right now is trevor zegris has already made his mark on the game. Mm-hmm. So he's got one of those two. But if he doesn't put up a career stat line that jumps out of you, and if he doesn't pick up, say, a Stanley Cup, a Rookie of the Year, an Art Ross, any of the accolades, a gold medal or any medals in the Olympics, there's a good chance a guy like him that we're all talking about now just fades off into the distance like a distant memory in 10, 20 years. So I think right. it's it's not like any other sport where like one or two boxes checked or an automatic get you into the hall of fame. It's you have to basically kind of like ingrain yourself into the NHL and hockey culture to really kind of stamp your spot as that hall of famer. And I'm looking at the list for the 2022 hall of fame candidates. And there's a couple of names that I'm surprised are like either mentioned outright as very slim chance of getting in and some people that I'm surprised are kind of considered. Right. And um, you know, when, when it comes down to it, that's why I want to bring up the topic because I feel like it is so 
maybe maybe finicky is the wrong word, but it, it's just such a a broad idea of what a Hall of Famer could be, can be, and should be. Um, my example is actually somebody we brought up a bit earlier in the trade deadline talks is a Mark Giordano. Career-wise, you know, as far as awards are concerned, he's a one-time All-Star and won the Norris in 2018-2019 and the Messier in 2019-2020. You know, obviously, like, his career stats aren't going to blow you away either. He's got a career 147 goals, 382 assists for 529 points and a plus-minus of 87. But he's also played 992 games at, right now as we speak. You know, he's probably going to get that 1,000-game streak Um not streak that thousand game mark this year. And in my mind, just from watching Giordano play and the way he played and the way that he could really control the ice when he chose to, in some of his uh, seasons, to me, he could be considered a hall of famer just because of how important he was to that Calgary team. I mean, he played 15 years in Calgary from 05 to 2020 he was a calgary flame he was the lifeblood and the captain of that team from time to time um obviously not a stanley cup winner or anything like that but and never won any medals uh in the olympics but to me from the eye test and watching his career he's a hall of famer you know and that's just such a weird thing because you look at these paper stats and you're like yeah you know he had a long career so on and so forth won an award or two was an all-star but nothing really like incredible or whatever but the, the thing is, is like the eye test, I feel like needs to, you know, be more involved in what we consider Hall of Famers, because a lot of these guys make a large impact on the game, but get forgotten about because their paper stats and their award winning and their medals and stuff like that just doesn't match up with other players who are in the Hall of Fame. So, you know, not everybody can be like a Rocket Richard, yeah. but definitely some of these guys, I think, could be considered um, Hall of Famers. And I think some of them might actually make it into the Hall of Fame just because of the impact that they had on the game, i.e., I think Joe Thornton is a Hall of Famer, uh, hands down. Um, what's up, Matt? Hot take. Very hot take. Uh-oh. Very sensitive topic. Oh, no. Brad Marchand, Hall Do of Famer. Do not. God damn it. <laughs> impact on the game. <laughs> Numbers. Yeah. Stanley Cup champion. Yeah. Is he all famer? Bing looks uh, defeated right now. He looks, yeah. <laughs> I can see his face turning red. Help him. All right. All right. All right. Hot right, take, hot take, hot take. Listen here. Listen, listen here, Matthew. It's Brad Marchand, all famer, boy. Let's be real here. He hit him with the Matthew. Listen, oh, no. listen here, Matthew. Okay. If Brad oh. Marchand is a damn Hall of Famer, that is a crime to everybody who is in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hot to stake. Brought it up. Is Brian Marshall in the Hall of Famer? <laughs> you you like to push my buttons. <laughs> it's and, just and too I, fun. And too I false. don't appreciate it. Oh, I'm sorry. You're my friend. Can I read that? No, it's okay. I don't like to push your buttons and it really ticks you off. It's a great great question. Is he a Hall of Famer? I mean, his stats back it up. As it stands right now, statistically on paper stats, it's got to be discussed. You know, it's got to be talked about. But then again, I revert back to the whole eye test impact on the game thing. 
with how he's played in his career, I would consider his impact on the game to be mostly negative. Um, Depends on who you ask. Well, yeah, you ask a Boston fan, they're not going to agree with me, but you ask anybody else in the league, you know, like. But I feel like a lot of, especially a lot of players see kind of like the impact he makes in like charity wise and like, you know, you know, be being a part of the NHLPA, being a big part of it, all that stuff. So it depends on who you ask. Yeah. I think maybe when all is said and done is in his career and I no longer have to watch him play hockey. I can sit back and seriously think about it. As of right now, I have to continue to watch him play hockey. So I will not be thinking about this right now. I refuse. I refuse can to I, think about this. To, to help Bing move on, can I read some of these slim chance Hall of Fame picks? Yeah, hit me with some of those. So this is coming from uh, thescore.com, talking about a prediction for the upcoming 2022 Hall of Fame, they're predicting the likes of the Sedins, Roberto Luongo. Um, there was a female player on there that whose name I can't remember, and I don't want to move from the slim chance uh, section in case of losing it. Um, but some of the slim chances to get into the 2022 Hall of Fame. Dan Boyle. Okay. Patrick Ilyash. Huh. Which I kind of like forgot was, about him almost. That, that was a name that I was kind of surprised to see in a slim chance section yeah it seems like he would be like a in type of deal yeah yeah uh theo flurry is one that's on the slim chance section another one that's you should be automatic yeah that uh interesting goaltender who i don't know you boys will have to fill me in curtis joseph oh oh they think cujo yeah no i could see him in the maybe uh vincent lecav lecavillet i What's your Cavalier. Cavalier. Uh, yeah, he's definitely one. I, actually, he should probably be a shoe in as well. You know, statistically, this is his third year medals. Third year of eligibility. Apparently, a slim chance. Uh, Rick Nash. Slim oh, chance. maybe. Maybe. Uh, Brad Richards. That one doesn't surprise me as much. Doesn't shock me that one. Jeremy Roenick. He, interesting. He's on the slim chance category. Uh, yeah, JR. That's surprised me. I believe this is a yeah female player for yeah, Finland, Rika Salinen. I'm not familiar with her work, but this is her first year of eligibility. So I mean, I'm not too surprised there. Uh, no, no shade being thrown. Just you know, 2022 is not the year. Right. Keith Kachuk, slim chance in his ninth year of eligibility. Fascinating. Okay. Henrik Zetterberg in his first year of eligibility, a slim chance. That's a slim chance? Fascinating. Yes. And that's the end of the slim chances. The prediction, according to the score for the 2022 Hall of Fame inductees. Right. The Dean Twins. Right. Roberto Luongo. Okay. Um, I got to find the full name. Molegni? Moglini? M-O-G-L-I-N-Y? No idea, but okay. Uh, Caroline Olette uh, from the Canadian national team, okay. the, the women's Canadian national team, and Border Bar Borderell Borderell. Oh, Botterell. Yeah, Botterell. There you go. Yeah. Uh, that is the prediction from the score for the 2022 hmm. NHL Hall of Fame or Hockey Hall. Of Fame. I think the the predictions hold up, but I think some of those 
maybes. Or, Should be shoe ins, in my opinion. But you know, obviously, are higher up on that. like yeah, higher up on the list than slim chance. Yeah, agreed. Um, but hey, because we obviously don't. There's, oh, there you go for that. Alexander Moglini. Moglini played for the Sabres, Canucks, Devils, Maple Leafs. No idea who that is. Not even gonna lie. <clears throat> um, I recognize the last name, but I could not tell you anything about. Them. Yeah, I got nothing. But uh, either way, that's uh, thought that was an interesting question. What we what we think would make a Hall of Famer? Um, to move forward into our last two bits here, our last NHL bit here is uh, Jack Eichel to return the day this episode drops, um, February sixteenth, a Wednesday, uh, against Colorado, moving Mark Stone to LTIR to make a cap space. Um, which you know, Eichel being back, that's awesome. We're excited. We've been talking about it for a while, but it's kind of shadowed by the whole LTIR loophole that it looks like Vegas is also taking advantage of. So I want to ask you guys with uh, this now being a documented thing, what do we, what do we actually think about the LTIR loophole? What's our honest opinions on it? I think it's the smartest thing Tampa Bay ever discovered. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Um, you know, also, you feel could like argue, there, I think it I was feel like the, uh, there's a, a, a certain situation where you ha- like it's not a regular occurrence that you just like keep a star player on ITI, well, LTIR and like you're able to get through it. Like there aren't many teams that can do that, you know, right. Yeah, Tampa is Tampa is honestly the only team that can get away with doing that because Vegas has more or less done it and it just hasn't yielded the same results they suffered through the first half of the year with big names being out of the lineup because of injuries for whatever reason tampa has the uh the pittsburgh penguins effect if you will of bringing up somebody from the minors and they immediately fit in wherever they place in on the lineup right. it's absurd to me how they're able to pull that off well i mean hey, good good drafting good good uh minor league play you know it'll it'll get you there um, you know, to me, I agree with you guys. I think Tampa was probably is probably the only team that could do it and still win a cup. Um, but I guess we might now we might be proven wrong because Vegas could sure sure thing bring Mark Stone in once the playoff starts and boom, there it is. You know, um, just to me, I like I low key kind of hate it because I'm afraid it's going to start becoming a a thing. But also, I agree with what you two said, is where you have to have the team in order to, to do it, you know? You yeah. got to have that kind of Tampa team where you can put Kucherov on the shelf for a whole season and still win the cup, you know? Like, that's a tall order to fill for any franchise to have that kind of depth and that kind of team to be able to do that. Um, but, hey, we could be proven wrong as Jack Eichel will start so, for the Vegas Golden Knights on February 16th, 2022. An actually kind of interesting idea that I want to... These are all the teams that are projected right now with zero cap space that theoretically, if they wanted, could try and do the Tampa Bay strategy. Obviously, Tampa Bay is in the midst of it. Las right. Vegas is currently in the midst of it. The Montreal Canadiens... Obviously can't do it. No. Nope. They've got nine players on LTIR. 
projected with zero cap space right now, uh, and mm. there's no hope for them. The Winnipeg Jets are on this uh, no cap space. I don't think they can do it. I don't know. I'm not sure, honestly. They've got the goaltending. I don't know if their defense will hold up. Yeah, that's the only question with Winnipeg. The Edmonton Oilers, uh, I feel like, could maybe pull it off. I I think when it comes to the Oilers, they just have that one problem that they need to address and just haven't yet. Yeah. And uh, maybe this is the way they do it. I don't know. Chicago Mm -hmm. on there. Obviously a a throwaway. They ain't doing shit. (laughs) The Vancouver Canucks also could... uh, They're kind of on a St. Louis Blues trajectory as of late, but I still don't think they have the core around them to pull it off. Right. All right. Sorry about that little blip. Uh, some computer issues here, but uh, Adam, go on with what you were saying. Uh, I, we were talking about the Vancouver Canucks team that does not have the core behind them to pull off the Tampa Bay Lightning scheme. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers have $4,000 in projected cap space. I'll let that speak for itself. Moving on. There you go. Um, Dallas was another one on here. I don't see it. They're getting old. They're slow. Uh, Washington, I feel like they're kind of in the same boat. Pittsburgh, maybe. Uh, they have that Tampa magic where they can just throw somebody in the lineup and Sidney Crosby helps them out. And last but not least, the Carolina Hurricanes. There you go. I think that speaks for itself. Indeed. Uh, yeah, so basically what we're trying to get at here is uh, in order to pull off a of Tampa, you have to have a Tampa lineup. And I don't think any team in the NHL has a Tampa lineup other than Tampa. Um, yeah. But our last bit for the evening, we have what Matt predicted for the gold medal matchup in the women's Olympic hockey circuit, USA versus Canada. They have met again. Matt predicted it on the podcast. You heard it here first. Breaking news. Um, but when's hey. that game? That's um, tomorrow? Tomorrow. I had that pulled up on one second. Tomorrow, tomorrow morning, right? No, it was tomorrow night, actually. Tomorrow night. Uh, well, define uh, night or morning. Actually, I know things are getting a bit weird here. Yes. No, it's actually um, not tomorrow. It's Thursday the 17th. At 11 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. So for anybody on the West Coast and on the Central Coast, because that's how coasts work, uh, do your mathematical arrangements, figure out what time that game starts, because I'm not doing it. And that's when you got to watch the game. (laughs) Well, then. Um, Yeah, so that is the gold medal matchup for the women's circuit there. And uh, unless you guys have any other news to break, then we are a go. Uh, BU won the uh, bean pot. Ah, yes. Boston University, winner of the bean pot for 2022. Congratulations to that team. As a a hockey young one as myself, what the fuck is the bean pot? Well, the bean pot is the four uh, major hockey universities in the Boston area. So that's BU, Boston College. Harvard and um, North Northeastern Northeastern the four of them are in a bit of a uh, they do a tournament every year called the bean pot uh, and uh, the winner just wins a little bean pot award and gets bragging rights throughout the city of Boston usually Uh, it ends up being um, BU or uh, 
or Northeastern. Uh, Boston College has sometimes won the bean pot. Harvard has sometimes won the bean pot. Uh, but it's usually BU, if I'm not going to lie. Uh, but yeah, BU wins the bean pot yet again. I don't know how many times that is in their in their history. Uh, let's take a look actually. How many times has Boston University won the bean pot? That's a lot of time. How many how many bean pots have there been? Um so they've won four. Oh. Yes, they've won no. <laughs> No, that's that's Northeastern. Northeastern's won four bean pots. Thirty-one. Thirty-one bean pots for Boston University. I was gonna guess forty, so that's pretty dang close. Um, yeah, so the bean pot started in nineteen seventy, something like that. I think. Could be wrong. Um, either way, congratulations to Boston University on the bean pot win. Uh for those of you that don't watch college hockey, I suggest it. It's actually pretty entertaining to watch. Um, it's, I can't get it up by me. Can't can't get into it, or just can't get it to like I to can't, watch it. Can't, I can't get it to watch it. I've tried. It's usually occasionally on NBCSN, I think, but usually it's um, like Notre Dame is one of the big ones. I always yeah, it's, it's always Notre Dame, pretty much. And by the time I find it, it's like halfway over, and I'm like, eh. yeah, the heck with it. Yeah, well, I, I suggest I've got wrestling uh, to watch. I suggest if you can. Go ahead and try and watch some college hockey. It's actually pretty entertaining. Um, other than that, thank you so much for listening. As always, we very much appreciate it. Uh, the fact that we still have people listening to us talk about hockey after 62 episodes is awesome. And actually, our listenership is growing, which is even cooler. Yeah. Um, but as always, thank you. Go ahead and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at OTPPpod. And while you follow those, you can go to the bios and both. Click that link and head to our merch store. We got everything that you're going to need for any season you can think of. And other than that, we out!